Good morning, everybody. I'm a little bit loud. Sometimes I don't think I need a microphone. I come from a very, very long line of loud mouths. Um, lots of oomph down here. So um, anyway, my name is Nathan Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. And whether you have been following Jesus for a while or you've been part of Celebration Center for a while or maybe you're just checking things out this morning, welcome. Thank you for making us part of your Sunday morning. I'm excited to see you all here and that you're, you're with us and um, that, that you're, you're here because we are starting a new series as Marshall alluded to. We're starting a series called Gener- Generous. That's the name of it, Generous. That, um, so we're doing the series. Now, I know, I know, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, oh, great, he's going to talk about money uh, eventually, yes, I am going to talk about money, but that is not the main focus of this morning because generosity is not merely about money. Money is, is part of it, but it's not all there is to being generous. My, uh, my daughter, this last Sunday, it was really nice out. Uh, we, my wife and I took my son and my daughter to South Hill Park and we went on the Nathan Chapman Trail, hiked a little bit, and then we ended up at the play structure there. And there were a whole bunch of other families from all over the community because it was really nice last Sunday, right? And um, so it was sunny and warm, and or warm-ish, I should say. Uh, and, and so the kids were having a great time. The families were all out playing. And almost immediately, as soon as my daughter got to the playground, she made th- uh, three new friends. They were all little boys. They were all brothers, and she just fell right into it with them and started playing tag and all kinds of stuff. And pretty soon, I noticed she's underneath the play structure with these three little boys, and she reaches into her pocket, and she pulls out this little package of Smarties, these little candies, and she starts just handing them out, giving them away. And... You know, my daughter has a very giving heart, and this isn't the first time she's done this. This last Christmas, uh, leading up to Christmas, she she was drawing all kinds of little pictures because she knew that my mom and my brother were going to come join us for Christmas, and she wanted to have something to give to them. And so what she did was she drew these pictures. She found all kinds of little scrap uh, uh, pieces of, of wrapping, paper, p- wrapping paper that my wife had uh, discarded, and, and she wrapped up these, these pictures really nicely and put a, way more tape on them than needed to be and, and then stuck them underneath our little Christmas tree that we had. And then she proudly brought them out on Christmas morning to grandma and to uncle. And it was really great. And, and you know, I, I have watched my daughter do these kinds of things. And she's actually teaching me what it is, what it means to be generous and how to be generous. Because... What Abby doesn't do is she doesn't sit around worrying, oh my goodness, do do people like me? Do they love me? Maybe what I need to do is I need to give these things away to them so that they will like me and they'll love me. Will you please love me? She's not doing that. She's actually giving these things away because she is confident in her love, in the love that she has. She knows that she is loved. And so what she does is she simply gives it back away. She just gives it away. That, that's what generosity is. It's like when she took out that, that packet of Smarties out of her pocket and starts giving it away. It's whatever she's got, she's sharing. That's generous. 
Sometimes I think we, we think that being generous means that we've got to be wealthy. We've got to have enough of whatever, whether it's uh, finances or time or, or whatever. And we're going to be talking in the next weeks about what it means to be generous with our, our time, how we're present with people. We're going to talk about how to be generous with our talents, those things that God has given us, our abilities and how we can use those. And yes, we're also going to talk about how to be generous with, the, with our, our, our treasure. Uh, because the bottom line is that it's not ours. God has, God has given it to us and we get to steward it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But no matter where you're at and what you're doing, you can be generous simply by sharing what you've got. That's all it takes without being afraid of having enough left over for yourself. So generosity is, is, is born out of love that has been poured into us Okay, And it's rooted in this deep, abiding trust in the one who will provide what we need so that we don't have to be afraid of having enough or holding back because, oh my goodness, I'm not going to have enough stuff. So here's the big idea that we're working off of for this morning. Generosity is normal. <laughs> it's normal. It's not for some spiritual few. It's not for the wealthy. It's not for, you know, people who have been walking with Jesus for 500 billion years and, and know all that there is to know and all of that kind of a thing. It is normal. It's regular. We are the recipients. The, the we here we're talking about specifically are Christ followers. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are the recipient of the greatest gift ever, anywhere, period. The gift of life, the gift of relationship with God, where God has poured his love, his mercy, his grace, his compassion on you. Right? We are the recipients of the greatest gift the world has ever known. Since we have freely received, we haven't earned it. I certainly haven't. I've done lots of things this past week that have proved that I haven't earned it. Okay? I haven't earned it. You haven't earned it. We, we, it's not something that we get to conjure up in ourselves. We receive it freely. Freely, we have received. We now freely give. We give away what we've got. And so we are generous. But we can't do that out of a vacuum, can we? Have you ever just tried? I mean, set aside generosity. Have you ever just tried to be loving? Have you ever just tried to be kind? I, I've tried those things, and it, believe me, the deal is that we do need to, to uh, set up practices in our lives where we are practicing kindness and love and generosity and all of those things. We need to do that. But I cannot just make myself kind. I can't just make myself loving. Jesus said this in... Um, this is in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus is, is talking about how to identify good and, and false teachers. And he, so he's talking specifically about this, but, but I think this principle applies to what we're talking about here as well. He says, a good tree will not produce bad fruit, and a bad tree will not produce good fruit. 
That's what he says. Here, here, here's the English version of that. You can't walk up to an orange tree and say, give me an apple. Well, you can, but you're probably going to need to go to the hospital. All right? It, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't happen. Uh, an orange tree is not going to produce an apple. An apple tree is not going to produce an orange. Why? Because it's not in it to produce what it, what it doesn't have. Right? Okay? Just like that, we cannot produce generosity in and of ourselves. So this series is not about, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just determine to be more generous. I mean, there are some steps. Like I said, there are some things that I need to do, some practices I need to put into place that are going to help me to take those steps. But ultimately, I cannot become a generous person. I can put, I can put a varnish over myself. I can, I can kind of whitewash. I can make things look good on the outside. But the inside, if it doesn't remain, if it doesn't become changed, if it remains the same, then I'm not genuinely being generous. I'm just doing some duty. Okay. I don't want us to be doing the duty of generosity. I want us to be generous. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. So where do we start? How do we begin the work of becoming generous people? How do we live a life of generosity? I think there are three things I want to talk about this morning that are going to help us in this, uh, this process. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, so there's probably other things that you could do, but these are the things I want us to focus on this morning for our purposes. Number one, if you're taking notes on your outline, if, if you want an outline, they're on a little black stool here in front of the sound booth. You can pick those up. Feel free to get up and do that. You can take notes this morning. Uh, but if you are taking notes, number one on your outline, we can be generous when we understand we are loved and forgiven. We can actually become generous when we receive that love and that forgiveness. Okay? I recently had a conversation with somebody who was having a really bad evening. The, it, the day hadn't gone so great for him, and I, I kind of saw that. I, I didn't know what was going on or anything. So I approached him. I said, hey, how you doing? They're like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, Okay. No problem. I mean, they kind of snapped at me a little bit. It, no biggie. I, I, I was not offended or anything like that. But uh, a few minutes later on, they came back to me and said, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you that way. I had this thing happen, and it's kind of thrown me for a loop. And I said, you know what? You're good. You and I, we're good. I'm not mad. I'm not offended. And you know, it was amazing, that one act of grace in the form of forgiveness was transformative for this person. Their demeanor changed from pain to relief. Now it didn't, what I did did not change what had already happened. I want to be clear on that, okay? It didn't, it didn't touch that. It didn't make that any different. What it did though, was it enabled them to carry on living without also carrying the burden of what had just happened. I lightened their load. I simply lightened their load. They were freed up to live, to move on, and to be able to address the thing that had already happened. Okay? 
Jesus had a, an encounter very similar to this. It's, it's a story, I love this story because it's a story of contrasts. You've got two different people involved in a meal. All right, there's more than two people involved in this meal, but, but the, the two primary characters, other than Jesus, are involved around this meal. And one of the things before we get going here you need to understand is that meals in the time of Jesus were very important. You, I mean, they're important to us, right? Because we want to live. That, that, that's important. Uh, but, but you had real, honest relationship happening around meals. When you sealed a deal with somebody, you had a meal. Because it meant that we are in agreement with one another. Things are good between us, okay? Whatever things I'm holding against you and whatever things you're holding against me, we have decided to set those things aside and to focus on the relationship. And so now we are whole. We are right between us. That's what eating a meal with somebody meant, okay? So Jesus is at this meal. This is Luke chapter 7. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to talk about most of it, and then I'm going to read one little part of it. Luke chapter 7, Jesus goes to eat a meal at a Pharisee's house. Think about that. Jesus is eating with a Pharisee. He sits down to eat. He's saying here, he's bringing the very presence of God, saying God is coming back, and, and God wants to be in relationship with you. That's what he's saying when he sits down with this Pharisee. Okay, so he's eating this meal with this Pharisee and, and there's, there's this lady there. Luke says, she's a sinner. A lady of the town and she's a sinner. Probably she's a prostitute. Okay. The interesting thing here is that as the Pharisee is conversing with Jesus, um, this woman starts weeping. Not just a little few tears here and there. It is an ugly cry. You ever done an ugly cry? I have. I've done an ugly cry. Snot and tears and all kinds of stuff flowing, right? She's ugly crying. And what she's doing, instead of reclining at the table, she gets down at Jesus' feet which in itself is just gross. I mean, think about it. They're, 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 they're walking around in open-toed sandals through mud and dirt and, and animal stuff that's all over. The, you know. And so she's down on the ground at his feet. And she's crying over his feet. She's pouring her tears on his feet, bathing them. She's using her hair as a towel. She's kissing these dirty feet and she pours this fragrant oil over them. And Jesus is letting her do this. I mean, there's so much in this story that we could go with. I'm, but here's, here's the thing I want to focus on. The, the Pharisee in this story, he comes and he, he just has this thought to himself. He says, there's no way that this Jesus dude is a prophet because if he was, he would know exactly who this woman was. Okay? That, that's, that's what the Pharisee thinks in this. Even though Jesus has come to his table 
to eat with him. This woman can't, can't stay away, so she goes to the table as well, and she's with Jesus, and her response is something entirely different. And Jesus' response to the Pharisee, this is Luke chapter 7, verses 41 through 43. Jesus responds with a story. He says, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. A denarii was about a day's wage. Okay? One owed 500, over a year and a, about a year and a half's worth of money. And the other 50. All right, question, who owes? They both do, right? They, they both owe something. Neither of them, Jesus said, had the money to pay him back. They couldn't do this. They couldn't make this happen. So he forgave the debts of both. That's the setting. Two people owe money. The only difference is that one owes more than the other one. They're both, both of their debts are forgiven. That's what Jesus is doing as he's sitting at this table. Your debts are forgiven. God has come back. He wants to be with you. He wants you in his family. He forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon, the Pharisee, replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. You've judged correctly. Yep, you're right, Simon. You got it exactly right. And later on, Jesus says, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Her great love didn't cause her sins to be forgiven. Her great love is the sign that she has been forgiven greatly. The woman in this story was able to do what she did because she had experienced and understood she was loved and forgiven in a reckless manner that she didn't deserve. So let me ask you this. Do you know that you are loved and forgiven? Do you know that you're loved and forgiven? Do you experience that truth on a daily basis? Or do you live with maybe a notion that you've got to earn it or you've got to work it out or you've got to make it happen on your own or maybe on the other end of it that I'm okay? Are you like the woman in the story or are you like the Pharisee in the story? I'll be honest, there's lots of times in my life when I'm exactly like that Pharisee. I think, you know what? I got it figured out. I'm good. And I discover that's when I'm at my harshish, harshest. 
Those are the moments when I am least likely to be gracious to anybody around me. It's when I think I've got it figured out. Does God's amazing gift of love and forgiveness inform who you are and animate your actions? We are not called to be generous out of a vacuum. We're called to be generous out of this. Out of his love. Out of his forgiveness. When our understanding of ourselves is informed and shaped by God's love and forgiveness... We are freed to be generous. It's not about living up to a standard. Yes, there are standards in life. Do not hear me say there are no standards in life. Of course there are. But when we are shaped and molded by this extravagant, reckless, unreasonable love, that comes from God. We are freed to be generous. Because it's not about what I do, it's about what's been done for me. And I'm able to share what I've got without fear of having enough for myself. That's number one. Number two, the second thing on our outline. We can be generous when we understand how much we've been given. I remember uh, it was the summer between my junior and senior year in high school. I was working for the little school district I attended in Lowell, Oregon. Uh, very little school district. It's so little, as a matter of fact, that the high school was literally right across the street from the grade school. So when you were done with middle school, you just crossed the street <laughs> and you went to the high school, okay? And uh, I was on the, the summer maintenance crew, so I was helping cleaning out rooms and all kinds of stuff, doing a little bit of floor work and a lot of grunt work, basically, that the, that the regular maintenance guys didn't want to do, which was okay. It was a paycheck. I was, I was happy for it. But I remember one day in particular, I was taken to the high school given a task. I don't remember exactly what the task was. I just remember this particular day because I, I was given a task, and I was told, okay, we need to have thus and such done, all right? And then about, oh, 15-ish minutes into the process, I've just begun working on this task, they come and they say, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 drop what you're doing. We got to take you back over to the grade school and you got to start on this other project. Thinking, okay, no problem. That, that plans change, life happens, you know, let, let, let's do it. So we start in on that project. 10 or 15 minutes into the project, wait, we got to go back to the high school and there's a different project that we need you guys to work on right now. So it's not even the first project that they started us on. It's the third one. And it's in, this, and it's in the second different location. Okay? I'm, 
that drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Let me finish my work. I was not given the time I needed to accomplish what I needed to accomplish. Maybe you've experienced something like that. Maybe it's not in the form of time. Maybe it's in the form of being given a job to do without the right tools or instruction. Somebody just basically says, figure it out. Raise your hand. Anybody ever? Yeah. God doesn't do life that way. When he gives us something to do or to accomplish, he gives us everything we need for the job. There's not one thing that he leaves out. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need. What does everything mean? It means everything, right? Is there anything left out of everything? No, that, that's why husbands and wives, when you are in the throes of battle, I know nobody else ever, ever does anything like this, but when you're having a spat with your spouse, avoid using the always and never, okay? Because nobody ever always and nevers. But here, according to Peter, God always gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to have, you know, a million dollars in the bank. It doesn't mean that we're going to have the nicest car. It doesn't even mean that we're going to have, you know, the, uh, our, own our own home or anything like that. That's not what this is talking about. But the life that God calls us to, he gives us everything we need. He gives us himself. He gives us his spirit. I remember the first time I brought, I, the first time I ever bought a printer. It's been a long time since I bought a printer, so I don't know if this is still the case, but I didn't know this at the time. The printer didn't come with the printer cord to hook up to the computer. So I got it home, I unpacked it, and I went to print my first thing, and I was like, oh, snap. This thing's defective. I don't have everything I need, so I had to go back to the store to buy the cord that I needed. God doesn't leave us to figure things out on our own. He's not like that. He gives us everything we need. There's nothing we need that he doesn't supply. He gives us his very spirit, you guys. He gives us his spirit, which is his presence. And the power we need to live the way he calls us to. That's what, that's, that's what we've been given. So let me ask you this. Do you understand and experience that God supplies all you need for all he asks? Just think about that. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, make you think, well, you should. No, that, that, that's not what this is about. Okay, there are moments, there are times, there are days there are weeks when I don't experience this. Not because of God, but because of me. Because I haven't placed myself in a position to be able to receive that from God, okay? Okay? 
Do you understand and experience that God supplies all you need for all he asks? Or do you rely on your own abilities to conjure what you need for what God asks? Because when we understand that God is for us and has given us all that we need, we're enabled to be generous. When we receive his love, we're freed to be generous. When we understand, hey, I, I've got it. I, I, not, be, not in me, not because of me, but because of him. I, I've got what I need to be able to walk forward in this then we're able to be generous. It's number two. Number three on your outline. We can be generous when we understand we've been blessed to be a blessing. We can be generous when we understand we've been blessed to be a blessing. I remember uh, as a kid, my family used to travel all of the time for the holidays. It seemed like every Christmas and Thanksgiving we would go someplace. Um, usually Christmas was, we would go to California to spend that with uh, my, that's where I was born and where a lot of my family was at the time. And uh, I remember one year in particular, my, we were at Christmas with my mom's parents, uh, my grandpa and grandma and uh, with her family. And uh, it's post Christmas morning, all of the presents have been open, the stockings have been go- rifled through, you know, all that kind of a thing. And all of a sudden, my brother Luke, my youngest brother, is dis- he's gone. He's disappeared. My parents don't know where he's at. So they're searching the house. They find him in a closet. They find him in a closet with his stocking candy. Not only with his stocking candy, but with the rest of our stocking candy as well. He ate it all! <laughs> there wasn't a bit of chocolate left! And of course, it took my parents years before they told us about this because they were sure we would have sacrificed him. Um, (laughs) When we spend the good stuff God has given us on ourselves, we're a little bit like my youngest brother. We hoard what we have for ourselves and, and we're looking for more to consume. That's what happens when, when we spend all of what God has given us on, on, on me, on myself. But that's not how God has called us to live. Here's what Jesus said. This is from Matthew chapter 10, verses, really it's verses 7 and 8. Uh, Jesus is sending the disciples out on their very first short-term missions trip. Okay? And as, as he's sending these guys out, he tells them to preach exactly the way that Jesus has preached. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? God is near. Exile is over. God has returned. And he's happy to return. And then he gives them these instructions in verse 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. You think, man, that sounds a little bit weird. Yeah, it does. It does. But he goes on and he says, freely you have received, freely give. 
freely you have received, freely give. As I said, Jesus is, is preparing his disciples for a short-term missions trip. And, and this instruction to go out and to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, to, to raise the dead, you know, all of these things, these things were supposed to benefit the individuals and the families that they were touching for sure. There's no doubt about that. I want you to hear that. But you also need to understand that these were the signs that followed the preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These were the signposts that God has come back. And so now all of the wrong, all of the curses, all of everything that is wrong and bad in the world is being unwound. And life is being poured out. And he says, freely you've received, freely give. Jesus calls his disciples to that program. Let everyone know that God has returned in love and grace and invite them into his family. Ultimately, that's what the generosity we're talking about is all about. This love that we have received this empowerment that we have been given, this provision we've received, we give it away in the form of an invitation to bring people in. We give away what we've got in our pockets. <laughs> Freely you have received. We haven't earned it. You haven't earned it. I haven't earned it. We can't earn it. We like to think we can. We like to think that we can build it up. We like to think that we can make things happen on our own, under our own power and volition and all of that, but we can't. For all of our technology, all of our knowledge, we can't make ourselves right with God. We can't. So God does it for us. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, just like you haven't had to measure up in order for God to do this for you, nobody else has to measure up for you to be able to give it away to them. So let me ask, how are you at giving away what God has given you? No condemnation here. I have to ask myself this question all the time. Because there are times when I'm not doing a great job of giving away God's love and grace. I'm more impatient than I ought to be. But how are we at at giving away what God has given to us? Or are we like my little brother hoarding what we've got? What does this all have to do with generous, with being generous? The answer is everything. It has everything to do with being generous. As I said earlier, we cannot be generous all on our own. We can't be or give what we don't already have. 
we start becoming this as we are connected to Jesus and receiving our identity from him. When we're engaged in that process, we're able to understand through our experience with Jesus that we are loved and forgiven. That we've been given everything we need and that we are blessed to be a blessing. God designed us to be a conduit with his grace and mercy flowing through us. And yes, we get to benefit from it, trusting that he's going to supply what we need. So, I've got some homework for us this week. Here's some homework. I want to give you guys a practice. This is an ancient practice, actually, one that the church has done for literally thousands of years. <laughs> okay? It's not weird, and it's not hard, though it, it is different than what we're used to. It's not hard in the sense of you've got to go climb a mountain and, you know, go navel gaze or, you know, that kind of a thing. It's, it's hard in that it's different than the way our culture does things. Okay? Here it is. It's called centering prayer. Centering prayer. Here's, here's how it works. Every day... For anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes, sit quietly in silence and solitude, okay? That means no phones. That means the TV is off. That means you do what you need to do to get to as quiet a place as you can be by yourself, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing. Look at a passage of scripture, something out of the Bible that informs you about who God is, what he's like, and his love and provision for you as an individual. A great one to use, one that I'm currently using, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Definitely for sure your love and your grace is going to follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in your house forever. Psalm 23. Think about that one. Think about maybe, maybe it's not Psalm 23 for you. Maybe it's Matthew 28, 20 where Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end through whatever happens. Maybe it's Jeremiah 31 uh, verse 3, where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Maybe it's Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who are weak and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching, my way of life on you and learn from me. 
That's what he says. Maybe you just find a passage that speaks to you about who God is and who you are because of who God is. Start out this time, sit quietly, maybe read it, or if you've got it memorized, just quote it to yourself, and then, and then be still. Be still and silent, and just pondering on what this means for you as a child of God. About your value, about who God is and his love and his kindness and his grace, all right? Think about those things. And then, here's the deal, because this is going to happen, I guarantee it. Your mind is going to start wandering. Oh, man, I've got this task i got to do. Oh, man, I really did not like it when that bozo cut me off. Oh, man, i got to deal with this situation. Your, your mind is going to wander. It's going to happen. It's okay. Just go back to the passage. Read it or quote it again. And then be still. And do that as often as you need to. I think I have to, I, I have to bring my mind back a lot of times. I, I'm up to about 15 minutes doing this right now, a day. And it's, it, it's really cool because what it's doing is it's helping Jesus to inform me about who I am in him. Not about what I have to accomplish not about how I have to, have to get things done and look good enough and produce enough stuff. But just simply that I'm loved. <laughs> and in that, I'm, I'm able to sit there and be like the woman in, in, in the story in, in Luke. Where I'm just receiving the love. Now, there's going to be more to do. Yes, there are things that are going to have to be done. Like I said, we're, we're blessed to be a blessing, not to just have this pool up in ourselves. We're, gonna, we're called to give it away, but we need to start here. And when you come to the end of your time, I'd encourage you, start, start out with five or ten minutes. When you come to the end of your time, simply ask God, all right, now empower me to live this way. Not just, not just, oh, that's great, I'm loved, but free my life to live as a loved child. Outside of fear, outside of worry and, and angst and, and whatever else comes up. And to love the way you love. When we do this, you guys, we will begin to be filled with the understanding that we are loved and forgiven. We will be filled with the under, we will begin to understand, to grasp just how much God really has given us. And that we are empowered and loved so that we can become God's blessing in and to the world. If we do this together as a community, we can become like my daughter out on the playground. You guys, we don't have to be, we don't have to be the most powerful. We don't have to be the most wealthy. We don't have to be the most anything. What if every single one of us simply walked up to the other people around us, pulled out of our pockets whatever we had and shared it? 
because we are loved, because we are empowered, and because God has called us to be a blessing. What if we did that? What might life look like right here at Celebration Center? What might life look like in South Hill, Puyallup? Because make no mistake, when, when, God, when God changed the world, he did it through a bunch of powerless people. He didn't send in tanks and missiles and bombs and force people to do all kinds of things. He, he sent out his love and weakness. We get to be that. This is the generous life. This is the pathway to generosity. I want to have the band come on back up. We're going to sing this song, the song we started out with, Happy Day. Because it is a happy day. You guys, I want us, what I want us to do with this is I want us to be able to rejoice, to celebrate the fact that we have been given this incredible gift. Okay? Because being living the life of generosity is not, it's not the solemn, oh, I'm going to, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes and, and everybody's going to know just how miserable I am. And that's dum, 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 dum. Okay? That, that's not attractive. We get, to, we get to be generous. We get to because of the amazing love and grace God has given already. So let's stand. Stand if you're able to. If you're able to, stand with me. Let's sing this song, and then I'm going to come back up and wrap us up. You guys, the life we are called to is a practice of celebrating that. It's not a life to live being morose. And I've lived a lot of my life being morose. I'll just be perfectly honest. I've done it. So I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at me. I'm saying this life is a life of joy and peace. It is a life of, of, of God's love poured in our hearts. So let's live that way. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence, for your goodness to us. I ask that you would help us to live in your goodness that your goodness would inform every area, every aspect of our lives. Even those things, God, where we see ourselves as lacking, that, that your goodness would break in and that we could rejoice in you. Empower us by your spirit to live generous this week. Not because of us, not because of what we have, but because of you and what you have given. Maybe you're here and you have not yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you like the idea of, of this loving, generous God and, and you want to be, be in his family. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. God, I want that. I want what you've got. I want your love. I need your mercy. I need your grace. Make me your child. I give myself to you. Father, for anybody who made that prayer theirs, fill them now with your spirit, with your presence. 
with the knowledge that they are loved beyond measure, that they are forgiven for everything. And again, Father, help us all to be conduits of this grace and this mercy that you have given to us. Bless this community this week, this community of Celebration Center and the the, the wider community. Bless it through us this week, we pray, God. In Jesus' name, amen.